we tend to be a little bit more, uh, and I hate to say this, but comfort-oriented. In rainy season, for example, I'll have people walk 17 miles in the rain to church and be there for seven hours because they're event-oriented in Africa. Now, they're soaking wet. They've got mud all over their good clothes, and they're going to be at church for seven hours and then quite possibly walk home in the rain at night. But they're so happy to be there to worship. Hey, it's time for Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together with you, friend, and share about various ministries, events, activities, and you never know what you're going to find on the show. There's always a variety. Sometimes I'm coming to you from Israel. Sometimes I'm coming to you from Branson. Sometimes I'm coming to you from uh, a location in Memphis, Tennessee. But we're glad to be here with you today. Welcome back to the studio, Dr. Floyd Paris. Floyd, we got together on our last program. Just felt like there was so much happening There was a synergy in the room of the things you were sharing and what God's up to through the ministry of United Christian Expeditions, a ministry that you and your son and daughter want to include Julie and Philip, the three of you started 10 years ago, basically, or about nine years ago. Yeah, Uh, 2012. Your wife, Penny, passed away 10 years ago this past month, May the 9th. I can't imagine what it's like to lose your spouse, but you share with us on the program of how God poured out his grace his absolutely. peace, his comfort, and you know Penny's in a better place right now. Oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, people ask me all the time, they said, how, how did you deal with that when, when you first lost her? I said, well, you know, I believe God's Word is where all of our answers are. First Samuel chapter 30, we find that David and his men have gone to avail themselves to um, the Philistines. And the Philistines said, well, we don't really need you. Just go home. So they get back to Ziglag, and they find that the Amalekites have attacked. And they have taken all of their women, all of their children, and burned everything. And, um, you know, what happens on the worst day of your life? Well, it says that David and his men cried. They cried that there was no strength left in them. Well, when you lose a spouse, you cry until there's no strength left in you. The second thing David did was his men wanted to stone him. They said, well, it's your fault. If we hadn't been following you, this wouldn't have happened. We'd been in Israel. We'd been safe. And and so your worst day just got worse. You know, not only did you lose your family, now your men have turned on you. And David said, bring me the ephod. My men need to see me pray. And I knew that people needed to see, is Christianity real? They need to see us pray. And then you ask the Lord, now what do you want me to do? Give me a new vision. Gave you a new vision through this work of United Christian Expeditions. One of the things that you were telling me, north of the West Nile was an area, I believe. West Nile is the area that it's called. But north of this area is a particular group of people that really weren't being touched by the gospel there was no really witness one of the main reasons is primarily muslim is that correct there's a lot of muslims up in that way they're moving down from sudan and the muslims actually right now have a have a strategy to put a mosque every 15 kilometers all the way across 
Africa. And I think that same strategy is applying mm-hmm. right here in the United States, too. I don't think mm-hmm. people are aware of that. You know, there's more mosques in the U.S. than people realize, oh, and, and they're growing more and more. But one of the things that was really intriguing, the story you shared, after you had gone to this community where cholera could have wiped out the entire population, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the medicine that you provided through your doctors and the team that you brought in there saved their lives. Oh, absolutely. And you got a knock on your door from the Iman. The Iman, yes. Take us from that story right there. Um, we had uh, sent 225 doses of medicine up there. 204 people were sick. Four had died before we got there. No one else died once we got there. Um, about a week later, the Imam comes to me and knocks on my door, and he said, um, um, are you the one who sent the medicine? And we said, yes. He said, um, but you are Christians. We are Muslims. And I said, yes. And he goes, and you do not charge us money. And I said, no. The God of the Bible tells us that we're to love each other. And you had a need and couldn't meet it. And we had the resources to be able to meet it. So we did. He said, but you are Christian. We are Muslim. And I said, yes, I know this. And he said, ah. He said, are you also the one who starts schools? And I said, yes. We start. So you had quite a reputation already. Already. He said, um, <laughs> Uh, we have no school in Aliba. Uh, can you come and start a school? I said, you, you do understand that these are Christian schools, right? And he said, if the God of the Bible teaches you to love in this way, then we need to know more about the God of the Bible. And I said, okay, we'll come and talk. So has that school been established? It, school has been established. And here's the way... You know, I don't have a big organization. I am the president, CEO, founder, missionary, chief bottle washer, cook, you know. But here's what we do. We go into a village, and I say this. If you will make your bricks, and they do it like Moses and them did in the in the Bible. If you'll make your bricks, I'll try to raise the money for the cement. If you'll get your timbers for the roof, I'll try to raise money for the metal roofing. And I I tell them about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I said, now, if you'll notice in this story, Jesus said, you know, roll away the stone. Why? Because that's something they had the ability to do. Then Jesus did what they could not do. Lazarus, come forth. Then Jesus turned back to them and said, loose him, set him free. Why? Because, again, that's something they had the ability to do. So we will work together whether it's planting a church or a school, if you'll do your part, I'll do my part. I think that's so important, employees, we look at missions, is look at not just giving hands out, but a hand up. That's what people need, you know, the partnership. Letting the nationals really take the responsibility of ownership of the ministry. Right, absolutely. And there's never a time that it is my school, it is your school. I'm just here helping you. Now, they do call them, you know, we have Penny Paris number one, Penny Paris number two, you know, but it's Penny Parish number one is at, for example, at La Rope. Uh Penny Parish number two is at Penyanga. Number three is at Dufili, you know, but it's called Penny Parish School Dufili. And so it's the village school, and they have ownership in it. That's what I love about it, too, them taking the ownership through the work. And this has been going on now for close to 10 years. Mm-hmm. What's been the biggest surprise or maybe the biggest mind blower of how God has directed this work so far? I wake up every morning uh, when I'm in Africa. And you never know what the day is going to bring, ever. For example, when I went to Penyanga, Penny Parish number 
two. Pen- Penyanga was a village that's known for making alcohol. And when I went, when I went, and I was going to talk to the village if they wanted a school, and there were about a hundred kids around. There were about um, seventy-five women and about fifty men. Well, the men were literally so drunk that they were falling off the logs in the chairs, and uh, it, it just kind of flew over me, you know. And I said, "I came here to talk to you about your children. You men are too drunk to listen to me. Oh my. Y'all don't want a school. Y'all just want to drink." You, I said, "You're horrible examples of fathers." You you know, you, you, you drink all day, you fish all night, your boys never see you sober, and, and I'm leaving. They said, no, 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 please, 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 we're sorry, we're sorry. I said, no, no, no. You know, school's supposed to start in two weeks, and, you know, I can't have teachers here, and you people are, are not serious. They said, no, 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 please, please, we are serious, we're serious. I said, ah, no. So I got in my car and I left. Went back to my house about uh, 20 miles away. Two days later, they called me. And they said, you must come, you must come. So I go back, and they've put a bamboo building up, a classroom. In that amount of time? In two days. <laughs> they've destroyed their stills, okay, and have sobered up. So we started the school there. About two months later, I had the Iman from Dufili come to see me. And he said, are you the one who started that school in uh, Panyanga? And I said, yeah. He said, do we have no school in Dufili? And I said, uh, you understand it's a Christian school, right? And he said, yes. You know, we have to get off at the ferry at Laropi and walk through Penyanga to get to Dufili. I said, yes. He said, if Jesus can make the difference of those alcoholics in Penyanga, we need him in Dufili. <laughs> and what, what's kind of funny is the Muslims don't drink. So drinking was never their problem. But seeing the change that Jesus made and that school made, so we went to the Philly, and that's where school number three is at. <laughs> oh, wow. Floyd, I remember the late Dr. Paul Davison. I call him doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had the official title. but Brother uh, D. He, yeah. Brother D, professor at Mid-South Bible College. He said in a missions class, the need doesn't constitute the call. Now, with so many needs among the people that you see there in Africa, I mean, how do you determine God's calling you to meet those specific needs among these particular people? You know, I've always been a world Christian. When I say world, not worldly, but world Christian, um, I've been to 48 different countries. You know, I was I was in Russia, you know, three months after the wall came down. You know, I've been literally all over the world. But when I saw the need there in that West Nile region in, among the Mahdi people, and nobody was going there, N- nobody was doing anything. And, and you literally can't pick up a rock and throw it any direction and walk to the rock without crossing a need that you can help meet. Then why do you need to look anyplace else? There's nobody else coming here. You know, we have, we have a model farm to help teach them how to provide better for themselves. We're training pastors. We're planning churches. If somebody says, you know, can I go on a mission trip? My answer is yes. Well, what do you want to do? Trust me, there's stuff you can do, whether it's training people to work with cement or electricity or farm or sew or um, anything, Me- medical, dental. I- I've-, I've taken everybody. There- there's a place for you to go. Um, with Samaritan's Feet, we put 33,000 shoes on the feet of the people in West Nile, even among Muslims. And Muslims are kind of weird about having you know, outsiders touch them. 
you know, and to, and to wash their feet. And we said, look, we've got to wash your feet in order to see whether you have something else wrong, something else going on. That's a leading cause of many fatalities around the world. We don't see it as much here. Obviously, we wear shoes, you know. Right. But in the places in some of the third world countries, especially in the areas in Africa, the different kind of parasites and the different kind of things, of fungus and things that can really be detrimental to a oh, person. Oh, absolutely. Can start with the feet. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen thousands of children who have walked through some contaminated soil, and um, these parasites get in through the bottom of the feet. Then they grow, and they become worms inside the leg. And then they crawl up toward the knee and then work their way out. And they have these huge sores where these worms come out. Oh, my. You, you see that all the time. I, they still have active leprosy over there. I don't know if you've ever seen a leper or not, but I've, I've seen it many times. Malaria, typhoid fever, yellow fever, AIDS, tuberculosis, you name it, and they still have it. Some might be listening right now, Floyd, to say, you know, why do you want to go with people with all those kind of diseases? Aren't you concerned that you might pick up one of those? Yes, I've had malaria. I understand. I've had malaria many times, and I laugh at it, you know. <laughs> and the reason I laugh at it, the first time I got malaria over there, um, um, my fever was very high. I was hallucinating. And I said, well, you know, we've helped the hospital out so much. Just tell the doctor that I have malaria. And they, they went to the hospital, and they come back and said, oh, we are so sorry. The doctor is not here. He is in Kampala getting an award for being the best rural doctor. <laughs> but they gave me the medicine. I got better. Uh, I came home one Thanksgiving, and I had had malaria six weeks before. And Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, my fever went up to 106.4. Ooh. And uh, my family freaked out, wanted to take me to the hospital and all this other stuff. I said, listen, nobody in Memphis or the Mid-South knows how to treat African malaria. I've got the medicine right there in my bag. Just give me the medicine, ice me down, let me sleep, and I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, my. Well, Floyd, let's bring this uh, back mm -hmm. here to Memphis. Uh, as we mentioned, you're the lead pastor at Leewood Baptist Church, a church you grew up in. At one time, we're on staff as the youth minister. Now that you've been, I think, the senior pastor for about a year, if not quite a year? Just just right at a year. Right at, right at a year. Uh, how does this impact the work that you're doing in Africa? How does this impact the dynamic of that work that you're now pastoring? I mean, because that's a big responsibility, it, too. It, it is big responsibility. Um, the, the biggest thing is the, is the time difference. I, I get calls from Africa literally every day, and usually they, it happens about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning because that's when it's daylight over there. And um, But we have a wonderful team on the ground. Um, we have it set up. They're, they're working. You know, I have a church planter uh, who speaks 11 different languages dialects there in Africa, English, of course, being one of them, English, Arabic, Mahdi, you know, Lugandan, Basoga, I can go on. So he does a wonderful work planting uh, churches. I have another business person who does uh, all the accounting. I have another one who is over the farm. I have another one who's over transportation, who coordinates moving materials or whatever we need to get where we need them to get to. And yeah, and I think this takes us back to what we talked about last time on our first program, entrusting leadership, entrusting to faithful leaders yes. who can help carry on their responsibility and to take ownership of this work. Oh, absolutely. You know, Brother D taught us in, you know, about missions. You know, so oftentimes we see mission organizations who don't have an exit strategy. You need to have an exit strategy from day one. And of course, my PhD is in missions, 
So my exit strategy was on day one, we're going to be partners in this. So you're going to see every step of the way and, and you see what we're trying to accomplish from day one. And then that allows me to step back and say, I'm just in the support row. I can call you and say, what do you need? What can I help you with? I don't have to plan the strategy. We started the association among the, the 19 churches, and I said, okay, every every church, and they say contribute, every church contributes something, and then y'all decide where the next church needs to be planted. Okay, y'all know how to do it. Y'all know what we did in your village. Y'all get together and do that. They don't need to see the Mazungu come and speak. Okay, y'all go and speak. You speak their language. You know right. who they are. You know what they're going through. So it, you know, of course, I was back and forth for five years, uh, very hands-on. But now it's their ministry, and we're supporting them, and they're doing the work. How about churches stateside? We've all been given the, the mandate by the Great Commission to take the gospel and, and the church's responsibility to make mm-hmm. disciples of all nations. Uh, are you finding a team of, of stateside support where churches are coming along and maybe adopting some of these it, these it, Ministries, or? It, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, when I was out of the country, people gave because that's kind of the normal mission mission model. Oh, he's he's overseas. Let's support you know Brother Floyd and his work. You know, well, when I'm stateside, it's like, oh, well, you're stateside now. <laughs> well, yes, the support never did go to me. Okay, the support always went to them, and just because I'm home doesn't matter because they still have the need. So we have seen kind of a dip in that. Of course, I don't know, you know, economic. Uh, people give to felt need. Well, is the church at home, the American church at home, do you feel is losing its vision for world missions? I, I, I think so. I think um, the, the American church as a whole, we tend to be a little bit more inward turned. You know, we tend to be a little bit more, uh, and I hate to say this, but comfort oriented. In rainy season, for example, I'll have people walk 17 miles in the rain to church and be there for seven hours because they're event-oriented in Africa. Now, they're soaking wet. They've got mud all over their good clothes, and they're going to be at church for seven hours and then quite possibly walk home in the rain at night. But they're so happy to be there to worship. Wow. Our people are like, really? That's a long-winded preacher. You know, he— he went almost 40 minutes last Sunday, you know, <laughs> and that's just kind of how Gotta we get are. the line to Piccadilly, Pastor. Come on. That's <laughs> right, man. Don't hold us over. We're going to miss that buffet. You know. What about the fellowship there at Leewood? Because they know you. You're seeing now that your your heartbeat for the work in Africa. You have plans to taking members or those who want to participate? Do you take teams from your church there? Oh, absolutely. We're, we're willing to take teams there. Uh, Leewood is, is different from what it was when I was there. We, we are a multi-ethnic church now. And uh, what we say is, you know, we've been witnessing the people who live in those houses for over 50 years. Now, their skin color may have changed, their language may have changed, but they still need Jesus. I mean, at one time, Floyd, Leewood had probably the biggest bus ministry in the city of Memphis. Absolutely. 22 buses, 22 bus routes. We had 25 buses, but I had 22 bus routes. I mean, you do, we don't really see churches with that type of bus ministry anymore, do we? Uh, I, I haven't seen any that large. We're still running buses at leewood are you we still have two bus routes that we run every sunday morning and uh, we have a we have a one bus and spare 
you know, in case one of the first two buses <laughs> breaks down. And Well, you talked about the, the multi-ethnic culture of the church now. How are you adapting to the changes in the community? I mean, I know in, even around the circumference of the church within a couple of mm-hmm. miles or so, you know, the, the dynamic of the neighborhoods have changed quite a bit. So how is the church uh, engaging these particular opportunities? Well, at Leewood, for example, we have Memphis Athletic Ministries that helps with homework and uh, sports in the afternoon. We also have English as a second language that meets. We also have um, the Morning Center, which is a, a free prenatal care, doctors and nurses, the whole nine yards, uh, from conception to six weeks postpartum. And um, we also have uh, the Mission Center, which gives out food and clothing on Monday and Wednesday from 9 to 12. Uh, we have um, um, Celebrate Recovery that meets on, on Tuesday nights. We have SAM. We have Brotherhood, WMU, we, you know, all the normal. So what I'm hearing you say is that the, the heartbeat of ministry, the love for the city of Leewood, which the tradition and heritage of ministry goes way back. I mean, I remember the, the Thief in the Night films that you used Amen. to play in the – those Christian movies that would have movie nights there, yep, absolutely. you know, and different groups would come in and sing and evangelists would come and do ministry there. It goes way back. And the, the investment, I know that the late Dr. Jerry Glisson, uh, mm-hmm. I know there's been a few couple of pastors since, you know, his passing, but he was there for 40 something years, I believe. Uh, he was there 30, 30, I think 36 years, 36 years. Yeah. But the men he mentored over oh, the absolutely. years, I've met, I've met so many people who are pastors and have been in the ministry. Yeah. Including yourself. Oh, amen. amen. Clayton Wilbanks uh, also. Who's grew, now your associate. Who is now the associate pastor. He is there. We're getting ready to do Judgment House. As a matter of fact, just before I came up here, we are cutting up a car to bring it inside the building to reassemble it <laughs> for our, our Judgment House, which will be uh, the middle two weeks in July. Okay. Do you want to explain what Judgment House is for those who might not be familiar? Uh, Judgment House is a walkthrough drama that um, always – shows the gospel being presented to a group of teenagers, and they have the chance to either accept or reject. And then we follow them, and there's some tragedy. And then we follow them to see what the outcome was, the result of the choices they made. And we'll follow one into hell, and we'll follow one or two into heaven. And you'll get to see two are your final destination. It was started by a, a group in Clearwater, Florida, Tom Hudgens, uh, many years ago. We do ours in July because it's got nothing to do with Halloween. It's just straightforward presenting the gospel. So it's going to be in Leewood in July, I think July the 13th through the 20th. And so it'll uh, run a couple of weeks then? Yeah, it'll run two weeks. Yeah, okay. Two weeks. And there, is there tickets involved or you just show up? Just You can call the church, make reservations, or if you want to help, call the church and ask. We, we can always use a, another actor, another person who wants to come by. And uh, you call Inez at 901-324-7169. That number again. Yeah, give it a number again. (laughs) 901-324-7169. I think I remember, didn't you work in radio too at one time? I did. Uh, The joy of 1590 WMSO (laughs) back in the day. You were at MSO. I was at MSO. Well, you know, this station evolved from MSO. Originally it was WMSO. Many years ago. Out on Bahalia. At Bahalia Road, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I used to work out there. And then the Bot family came and bought the station Mm -hmm. in 1986, changed the format to where we are now to Bible teaching. And then 30-plus years later, here we are together talking about the Here's the funny thing for you. In 1978, 
they approached me as a junior in high school to come and have a local radio program, and I did, and it was called High School Happenings. Okay, I did not know that. And I was to come and, and tell what Carverville High School was doing that <laughs> that week. Were you at Carverville? I was. I okay. graduated from Carverville. My dad was a school teacher, so I had to, I got the, the opportunity to go to school where he taught. I didn't realize <clears> that you had grown up in the Carverville area, of course, where the radio station here is licensed for. Mm-hmm. What is your greatest desire for the work of United Christian Expeditions? For them to be totally self-sufficient. Um, and I'd like to see that happen by uh, 2022. That'll be 10 years. They, they are close now. They are beginning to do things that, that make money back in the ministry. Uh, for example, um, selling mangoes. You know, everybody in Moyo has mangoes. But they have no way to get it to market, so we bought a truck so that the local person can make money by selling his excess food, and we can ship it down south and sell it and put money back in the ministry so we can help buy more medicine to go back to the north. Wow. I love it. Floyd, this has been great, these past two days of programs, uh, sharing your heart. And and really, we'd like to dedicate part one and two of the show to Penny. You know, Thank you. and your kids, too. I mean, uh, Julie and Philip, the faith and how God moved on their heart when you went back to Africa to see and to see the amazing things that God has done. I just felt like it was a necessity for us to have two shows because there was so much to talk about. We couldn't do it in one program. That's why I wanted to have you come back and share. OK, how can people listening or viewing the program right now find out more about the work of United Christian Expeditions? If they want to travel with you on an upcoming trip, what can they do? Uh, you can go online. You can contact me um, at uh, unitedchristianexpeditions.com, and uh, you can also go on Facebook. We're there. You can uh, contact me at Leewood Baptist Church, and, and that number again is 324-7169. Um, we're open for any way. Invite us to come. We'll share at your church. We'll do whatever we can. Now, the service times at Leewood, when are they? Um, Sunday morning, we worship at 1030. And Sunday night, we're at 5 o'clock. Wednesday night, we're at 5.30. And the website for Leewood, I don't know if you gave that or not. Um, the website for Leewood is leewoodbaptist.org. That's right, leewoodbaptist.org. Get more information about the church, the various ministries that are there, friend. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of our program. These past two shows, we've had Dr. Floyd Harris, Senior Pastor of Leewood Baptist Church. Again, also the founder president of United Christian Expeditions. Thank you, friend, for praying for the ministry. Thank you for uh, listening for these shows. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye now.